Welcome to the Embracing Noether podcast and a different kind of podcast today. And so how do I begin? So maybe a good place to start is an overview of my own evolution, the trajectory I followed, so to speak. And many of you will notice from reading my book or hearing some conversation or talk previously, but I'll just give an outline of it. So initially I was, you know, like many people, quite confused, quite solid, ignorant of much of the beauty of life and the divinity of life and quite hurt and traumatized. And there came a point, a crunch point, where I turned into kind of healing, I suppose you'd call it, and particularly into shamanism and, and plant medicines, which I had a great love for and which helped me hugely. And of course, it's very much a, a vital world, look how to really start to engage subtle energies and the plant realm and healing and spirits and opening up to that whole realm. And it was during that time I first started to engage with the divine feminine, the mother aspect, and particularly through Mother Mira. And, you know, those of you who know Mother Mira, she really facilitates the descent of light bringing down spiritual light to transform and to uncover the soul, so to speak, and to help bring ease to our humanness. And she doesn't offer, a, I suppose, a, an intellectual or uh, a framework, so to speak, of a sadhana or path that's uh, quite fleshed out. Hers is, it's more of kind of, you feel a devotion and you open and her light changes. And I found that quite profound and I found it deepened and deepened, especially when I got to sit with her and to meet her, so to speak, in, in her physical presence. And of course that developed to a point where, you know, you could feel her presence without her physical form being there. And of course, as I moved through shamanism, I saw a path ahead of me of being a shaman and a plant master and helping in that direction. But then I started to have, I suppose what you call a series of spiritual awakenings, which were quite profound and a, a huge challenge. It started to dismantle a lot of the mental and vital individuality, you could say sense of being a separate individual and I was led into kind of to explore an Advaitic model because I was opening up to the spiritual ranges so to speak and experiencing a loss of sense of separation, unity, consciousness and great peace, peace I'd never never known and you start to experience states where no healing is necessary, where there's nothing wrong, 
or you're unborn, so to speak. You know, and a lot of the, it's called the illusionistic Advaitic model would be, you know, there's no one to heal or nothing to do, you're already that. And it's quite a profound teaching and it can lead to huge spiritual opening. It can also have a, an effect where you can kind of disconnect from the world a little bit as well. And, you know, in extreme cases, people can, you abandon your humanness, so to speak. You don't see that it's important, that it's just doing its thing and it's, it's moving through its fixed modes and you don't have to do anything. That you're awake, you're this clear, luminous peace and that sooner or later the body will drop away. It goes through its parabdha karma and then you're free. You're already free. So, you know, it's, it's, it's quite deep teaching. And in a way it's very tantalizing in that you escape from suffering to a certain degree. You find this peace and it has a lot in common, I suppose, with a, a Buddhistic model that there's, you know, suffering in the world and the way out of suffering is, you know, to come to this negation of self. The only challenge that I suppose of that is that it can leave a lot of our humanness in the world untransformed and unchanged. So it's kind of an escapist model. We get out of it. You get out of the problem and not really tackling like, why is there a problem? What is, what is the problem? Or is the problem an accident or is it part of our evolution? Is it there for a reason? Why is this suffering or pain or confusion or ignorance? And that rather than just try to escape it, to understand it, transform it and evolve out of it. And in that there's huge potential. So, you know, you could call that more of a, a realistic Avaitic model in that God is real and the world is real. So, you know, but as I was approaching that more kind of, how would you say, where it's a poise of consciousness where everything has a kind of an emptiness and an emptiness where there's a peace. Luckily for me that that was challenged in so many ways and that you could say the world or the divine had other plans and at a certain stage I got, it was a couple of years back and I'd been delving into Ramana and Nisargadatta and really appreciating their pointings and teachings and connecting with that consciousness. And then I got, you know, I, I could see the beauty of their teaching, but also there was something in me that kind of, that it didn't sit with my connection to Mother Mira, so to speak, that there was this possibility of descent of light and transformation. And she talked about soul and that soul wasn't fully appreciated in the, 
that avaitic model that was escapist. Like, why is the soul here? Why is it moving through lifetimes? So a couple of years back then I got the guidance and sometimes the guidance is so clear for me I'll hear it as an absolute inner knowing and I'll hear it verbally and it just said Sri Aurobindo and I was like not so much a commandment but an opening to something else is gone here this is what's next for you and you know, if I'm honest, I remember, okay, so I looked and my first reaction was, oh no. Because I looked at Sri Aurobindo's teaching and it was just so vast. And I found the language so hard and it was so at odds with what I'd been engaged in. So and it, it really necessitated a huge orientation, a shift in orientation. Just like I'd gone from shamanism into this non-duality, you could say, illusionistic non-duality. And then it was like come into this Sri Aurobindo, who hugely intellectual, but, you know, it's not just Yana yoga, it's also uh, Bhakti yoga and Karma yoga. But in it I found the framework that I've been looking for to understand this position of soul and the Divine Mother, this conscious force or Shakti that wasn't really celebrated in the escapist model of Advaita where you're just up and out and anything that's, you know, in, in that view, anything that's impermanent is not real and you just leave it, you just leave it play out. But Yet I had this connection to the Divine Feminine, the Shakti, a will to understand and to relate to it, and a, a devotion to it. And then I understood this, this is the conscious force of the Divine, and it's no accident, and it has many, many layers. And what we see is just this play of life is only Prakriti, it's only the surface level, and beneath it there's divine power and it is no accident and it plays its part perfectly. So Sri Aurobindo the last few years has really illuminated that for me and gave me a framework and you may have heard in the last couple of years how my language has changed and I've introduced new words because more and more Sri Aurobindo's teaching is called Integral Yoga that I've been opening to that path of integral yoga to really take it on, so to speak. And in Sri Aurobindo's way, he talks about the triple transformation. There's the psychic transformation, which is the soul transformation, and the spiritual transformation, and then the supermental transformation. And I could see that I have not undergone that path fully. So in the last few years, it's felt more that I'm a student than a teacher, so to speak. So more of a, a devotee or disciple of 
of that way of the integral yoga and he really beautifully showed me how you know we often open up to the spiritual forces of this wake up wake up a movement upwards but in his integral yoga he always espouses to open up to the psychic being which is the soul first because this is the safest route often when you open up spiritually it can be quite challenging and unbalanced and leave lots of different aspects of your instrumental nature unclaimed or unconscious whereas you learn to bring the soul forward first it brings a harmony to our humanness that allows us not to fall into some of the pitfalls and there are many pitfalls in the path and it's very interesting that the more your psychic being or soul is to the forefront the less you can be controlled or manipulated or fool yourself so it creates a very safe platform from which to open up to the spiritual realm then uh, I really that wasn't my way obviously it was open up spiritually first and then it was more come back to opening to the soul and bringing that soul aspect forward and that's what I've been engaged in the last few years and really I see how important this is to the world at the moment because mm, the majority of people are so easily manipulated or controlled or fooled because they're not in contact with their own soul and that soul has it's your inner guide to what's good true and beautiful and when we don't have that connection we can be opened up spiritually but if we're not connected to that soul we can be very easily misguided by others or by our own remaining ego so I really see the importance of that and what part I can play in assisting that I was lucky enough I think it was about two years ago to get to go to India and I'm really blessed for that and got to go to Tirvanamalai and Raman Ashram and, and Nityananda and in Ganesh Puri but when I got to Sri Aurobindo Ashram in Pondicherry and out to Oroville the, the township I felt like I was coming home it's wonderful when we feel a sense of deep connection to a, a guru or a guide or a way you know you're in your own alignment so to speak and you know a master like that the consciousness of a master is always available whether they're in in physical form or not you know I would say at the moment you know I have five main guides and three of them don't have physical form at the moment so to speak their, their body's past but their consciousness and their teaching is available not just their words or their books but they're very the depth of them is always here it's learning how to connect I was lucky in the shamanic practice I initially started with 
gave me a sensitivity to open to non-verbal contact and communication that's not reliant just on the mind and verbal speech where you could open up to the consciousness of a master so you know three of my teachers I don't have physical form at the moment and then another one is in silence so to speak he doesn't have a website he doesn't meet groups of people and yet he's influenced me hugely in the last couple of years and brought great healing to my life and understanding and illumination and he has no podcast, no website. It's like, wow. But the depth of his consciousness can... It doesn't know those limits of mind and space. And then, of course, my, one of my main teachers, Mother Mira, who's very much in alignment with Sri Aurobindo and Sweet Mother, you know, she shares in silence. It, she lets the light do the work. So that kind of brings me around to the kind of purpose of this podcast to share with you like that. The last couple of years, it was a couple of years ago, I got very definite guidance on what work I have to do next. So it's my own sadhana and also my own service. And that entailed pulling back from, you know, a lot of personal correspondence and then doing Zoom sessions and private meetings and, and then less podcasts and less interaction because my focus and concentration really has to be very much on this aspect. And just in the last while, I've been... invited in to put down everything. So that for me means to just stop. So I'll be stopping podcasts and stopping any writing just for a while or any interaction with people and to concentrate on this next phase of work I have to do. And I don't know how long that'll be, months, years, I've no idea. I just know put down and concentrate and open to that. And that that's my work, that's my sadhana and service. And I don't know what will be picked back up. I just know really How can I convey an inner sense of bliss that's trying to break down any separation? A consciousness that knows no bounds. And the word sometimes seems so feeble.
So I'm not sure what I'll be picking back up, what I'll be working, how I'll be sharing. It's more, I feel a dedication to a certain work I have to do and to try bring that to fruition. And it's a different way than I have been working. And just as I was challenged to leave down the way of shamanism and come into this more kind of Advaitic model and then now it's a challenge the last few years to come in to integrate this realistic Advaitic model and of integral yoga of Sri Aurobindo and Sweet Mother. And I, I really love their aspect of the inclusiveness of the Divine Feminine what that means and the divinization of life itself to bring the realization that everything is divine including including our physicality and vital energies and it's a huge undertaking it's not an easy path the path of integral yoga it's quite a challenge and you know <laughs> you couldn't really sell it to people it's it's so much different than the you know the neo-advaitic model of snap your fingers and wake up it requires huge discipline and transformation and commitment and it's not for everyone and it doesn't have to be for everyone and it's not to demean any path each path is perfect for the person on it at that time just as i never sometimes people you know, they say, oh God, thank God you left that shamanism. And I go, well, it was a very necessary step. And in a way, it, I just broadened out what I understood shamanism to be. It's still there, but it's just so much broader. And the same with realizing no self and also realizing this divine Shakti. It's, there's multiple realizations to be had. I, I was really lucky some years ago to read the Gospel of Ramakrishna and if you get a chance, I'll try to put a link underneath if I can find it. He really beautifully lived, it was a lived, lived experience from where he had many different realizations of all the different paths. He opened to them all and found the truth in them all and he kind of created a a synthesis of realizations, of lived realizations, and quite magical. And I find Sri Aurobindo is like that. He has that synthesis of yoga, which is just a huge, it's all encompassing. And he's not so well known in the West Sri Aurobindo, but he's a very dedicated and strong base and some really wonderful people sharing his teachings and his way in different countries and centers and of course in their experimental township in Oroville it's a whole town being created where they're living those principles very interesting and different centers and ashrams around South American Europe which are doing the same So I'm not sure what else to say, except thank you for 
spending time with me over the last few years and I've had beautiful interactions with so many people either in person one-to-one or at retreat or in satsangs or indeed when I've done the healing sessions one-to-one with satsang I really loved that as well because you know everyone I meet in all sincerity I can say helped me they showed me where my shortcomings were where you know I still had to grow it also encouraged me to it's very one of the most beautiful things you know for me is when I see someone awaken up or come out of his current restriction and the, the light go on and so to speak or they open up to a particular aspect of consciousness and some of you have quite deep experiences and awakenings and I see the potential in some of the people I've interacted with they'll be great teachers in years to come so it's really lovely to experience that and for the moment I pull away and I'll see what happens so thank you to you all and I'll include in this uh, post some links underneath to Sri Aurobindo that I found useful in case you're interested in that way and goodbye